Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand as our campuses join with us this morning in Stevens Point and Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us, again, as well as those over in Stevens Point and Appleton this morning. God bless you. Good to see you. Uh, it is the season of Advent, Christmas season, that is upon us. Uh, every uh, Christmas season, uh, we try to do some special projects uh, at the Christmas time to give to others. Uh, we give to local charities that help uh, feed the hungry, clothe those who need clothing, uh, we also, uh, this year, are raising money to help uh, Jimmy Bratcher, who goes into prisons during the holiday seasons, right up even into Christmas Day, and goes into these uh, prisons and ministers to these guys, and the band goes and plays, and they don't pay him for this. He's got to raise his own money to pay everybody to do it. So we want to be a part of that so that we can help uh, share in that ministry that he's doing. We also raise money uh, for... Uh, putting in wells in communities like in Central America that don't have fresh water. And we'll actually send teams down. You, know, you might want to consider doing that. It's a, it's a great time to go down, let's take a week off and actually help put in the well and uh, as a way of just showing the love of Christ to other people. We have a short video promotion. We'll show you about that right now. So the way this works is uh, uh, we're asking people to, when they come to church and put in money in the offering, to give above and beyond what you normally give so that uh, we're not going to have a separate category for uh, Advent conspiracy, but just to give above and beyond. And then as we meet our budgets and what is over, we can take that money to help with some of these causes. So be as generous as you can this holiday season. If God has blessed you, in turn, bless others, which is what we're called to do. All right, the, uh, this morning I want to read to you from Matthew, the 18th chapter. <clears throat> Jesus is giving uh, a talk to the people. In verse 23, he says, Therefore, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Man, talk about debt collectors. <laughs> Some people don't like getting calls <laughs> when they're behind on stuff. Back in this day, they didn't just call you. If you did not pay your debt, they would sell you into slavery or your kids or whatever and collect the money. And it wasn't a racial thing. It didn't matter what color, where you're from. Anybody, anybody could be sold in off as a slave if you couldn't pay your bills. And this is how they would try and recover their debts. Well, this guy freaks. He falls on his knees before the king, and he says, be patient with me, he begs, and I'll pay you back everything. Well, the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. And he grabs the guy and begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Well, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Tortured. Everybody say tortured. Ooh, that's me. But the shocking part is what Jesus says next, which is this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Wow unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This morning, I want to talk about forgiveness. Three things from this parable. Number one, people never really think that what they do is as bad as it actually is. We're all delusional. We think that, you know, from our perspective, I'm not that bad. You know, what I did, that's, that's, that's totally understandable, but we're quick to point out other people's failures and faults. Uh, Jesus routinely told the religious people of his day that the drunkards, tax collectors, and prostitutes would get into heaven before they would. Now, Jesus was not encouraging people to be drunkards <laughs> or prostitutes. Uh, and if you work for the IRS, we don't hate you this morning. All right. The problem with the tax collectors back then is they were collaborators with the enemy. They were under uh, an occupying power. The Roman uh, soldiers, Rome had come in and taken over all of uh, Judea and extracted taxes from the people. And there were people who would work for the Jews, who would work for the government and collect taxes. They were collaborators with the enemy. And everybody hated these. They were traitors. Not only did they collaborate with the enemy to collect taxes for Rome, that they would overcharge and line their own pockets. And many of them turned extremely wealthy. Everybody hated these guys. And Jesus is saying, hey, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drunkards, man, they'll get in. You guys don't have a chance. Now, the problem here is that people 
who don't think they need help from God are in a bad place. That's why Jesus praised those who were really a mess and admitted that they needed help. Jesus once told of, of an account where, you know, this religious guy, he's in church and he's praying, blah, 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 oh God, la, 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 la. He's all very eloquent, stuff like that. Oh. And then the next guy to come to pray was one of these tax collectors. They call him publicans, not republicans, but publicans. <laughs> and... Uh, Jesus said he, he couldn't even lift his head. He was so ashamed. He just beat on his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that guy went away justified, and the other guy did not. If you do not realize the state that you are in without God, you're in a bad place. You know, it's very easy oftentimes to deal with people who've made lots of mistakes. They feel bad about the mistakes, but it's easier. I prefer much to deal with those people than people who are convinced they've never done anything wrong. If you're listening to me this morning and you're thinking, well, I'm not that bad, I'm okay, you are of all people most miserable. You are in the worst possible place that Jesus talked about. When you are so arrogant and you think, I've never done anything bad or wrong and my sins are nothing, you are without hope. Until you get to the place where you actually will throw yourself on the mercy of the court Come to God and say, God, forgive me for my sins and my faults and my mistakes and my shortcomings. If you can't get there, you're in a bad place. It's one of the nice things about going into prisons. People generally are rather open. <laughs> Not that they all admit their mistakes, you know. The women do. It's really funny. You go into a male's prison and they're all, I didn't do it. I shouldn't be here. I was framed. I had nothing to do with it. You go to a woman's prison. Yeah, I killed him, and he deserved it. And I'd kill him again if I had a chance. It's like, whoa. You know, so <laughs> at least they're honest. This guy, Jesus said, owed 10,000 bags of gold. Now think about it, that's a lot of bags. You can have 10,000 bags of dirt and that's a lot of dirt. 10,000 bags of gold, now how in the world he wound up owing that much money? Someone may have had a spending problem. But he didn't really think it was all that, you know, well, you know, look, I'll try and he's gonna explain the situation. Really? We don't think our, our deal is that big of a deal. You need to realize that we all desperate. Jesus, the Bible says, nobody gets this right. There is none righteous. No, not one. Without God, we are all totally hopeless. Well, I'm better than a crack addict. Yeah, maybe compared to a crack addict, but still before God, you're a big mess. Comparative thinking, that's not going to help you. I mean, it would be like putting someone on top of Mount Everest, the highest mountain on the highest point on the face of the earth. And someone at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Ooh, one's way a lot higher than the other. But then you say to both of them, okay, now reach up and touch the stars. It's irrelevant. You might be higher than the other guy, but compared to touching the stars, it's all irrelevant. That's the way it is without God. You may not have been as mean and nasty and rotten as the guy sitting next to you, but you can't touch the stars. 
Our sins separate us from God. We are all in a desperate place. And you need to always remember that you have been in a desperate place and we all need God. And again, if you're listening to me this morning, you're sitting at home watching TV, whatever it is, and you think, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm okay. You're in a bad place. Number two, people are often convinced that our situation is so unique that it changes the situation. Well, the reason I did this is because blah, 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 we all have our reasons for what we did. And we're convinced that because of the circumstances, it changes the rules. But it does not. This guy comes and he says to the guy, he owes 10,000 bags. Well, listen, just give me a little bit more time. I'll work it out. Seriously? You're delusional. You can't do anything about it. Well, but my circumstances are da-da-da. Have you ever watched Judge Judy? I love Judge Judy. I watch reruns of it before I go to bed every night and just laugh my butt off. Because these people are delusional. Who would be on this show? You gotta be a moron to be on this show. These people actually sign up to do it for free. And this woman comes out and just slaps them all upside the head. And they try to explain, yeah, why well, I, I did this because he did it, and he said that, and, and she goes, stop it. She didn't want to hear it. I love it. She's mean. It's <laughs> what Judgment Day is going to be like. Man, wait till people just come up with all their reasons why they couldn't do this and that. Yeah, but blah, 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 stop it. In fact, God might step aside and let Judge Judy do the whole deal. <laughs> I love that show. But they, I, I'm, I promise you, they have more people signing up for that show than they can even handle. Why? Because everybody convinced, well, my situation's different. It won't matter. She'll be on my side. Because when I tell my sob story, so she'll, she's, damn it! It's like my show. If you ever watch my podcast, the Mark Unger Show, people write me. They're crazy, delusional people. They are convinced that their circumstances are so unique. This is why that, and this seriously... I don't even want to hear the details. And they get upset because I want to hear the details. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't, but you don't understand. You're right, and I don't want to understand. What you need to understand is your circumstances don't change the rules. There is right and there is wrong. I had a young couple come to me once. They were living together, playing house, you know, fornicating their little brains out. And we don't hate people, you know, we love everybody, but they're still right and wrong, right? Now, there's people all their life, they're raised outside, they don't know, they don't even know that's wrong. I don't have a problem with those people, I'm not mean to people I don't know, but this guy was raised in the church, his whole stinking life. He's heard this from the get-go. He's out there fornicating his brains out. They come in to talk to me. Pastor, we're having problems. Yeah, what's your problem? Well, you talk about faith, and we've been praying God will do it. He's not answering any of our prayers. Why isn't he answering our prayers? I said, because you're fornicating your brains out. And they went, oh, we knew you'd say that, but, but really, why? <laughs> because you're fornicating your brains out, for heaven's sakes. You can't stick your finger in God's eye and then say, God bless me. He doesn't hate you, but stop. Do life right. For the love of God, just marry the girl. People. <laughs> Finally, they repented. They started doing things right. And all of a sudden, all their prayers are getting answered. And they're 
health comes back and everything just starts changing. Yeah, but we're in love and this and that and we can't afford to get married because we've got to spend $50,000 for a ring and all this. You people. <laughs> Be nice, Mark. Be nice. You know, I have said for years, I can't stop now. I've started. <laughs> I have said for years, I'll bet you money that there's a direct correlation between how much money you spend at your wedding and the divorce rate. And I've always said, I'll, they'll never be able to prove it. No one will ever study. I'm not gonna study, I got too much to do. But I bet you if they studied, they came out with a study and they found that exact correlation. The more people spent, the less likely they were to stay married. Some of the longest lasting married people didn't spend jack squat. My wife and my ring's wife together, less than a hundred bucks. It was. I'm not proud about it, I'm still cheap, but there's a... <laughs> Actually, she's cheap, I'd buy her a ring, she didn't want it, you know. We had ham sandwiches at our wedding. Now people spend money like drunken monkeys. Thousands of dollars for a stupid dress they're gonna wear one time. At least they're supposed to wear it one time. <laughs> Get a nice one, because they might use it two, three, four times. Okay, move on, just move on. Doesn't apply to me, rules don't apply to me because we're this and we're that and we didn't mean to commit adultery because we love each other and this and I didn't mean to run over that guy, he was just in my way, you know. I, I, you know. There's people like that, they really do. Even Judge Judy, I love, I love when they ran into somebody. Well, you backed up and you smashed into the guy. Well, yeah, but he was there. <laughs> really? Well, I didn't see him. It was not my fault. <sighs> so number one, we never tend to think what we do is really all that bad. Everybody else is bad. We're not that bad. Number two, there's always reasons why our thing is justified. And number three, we're very quick to forget about the mercy we get and not pass it on to other people. Here, this guy in the story, he has been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. He's up to death. He can't possibly pull himself out of it. He leaves the meeting. He just got set free from all this debt. I don't know about you. If somebody came in and said, your mortgage, everything, all your bills, paid, forget it. That would be a good day for me. Right? That'd be, how many of you like Pastor Bob to pay off your mortgage? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Some of you are not raising your hands. No, I like my mortgage. That's great. Be a great day, but this guy, he leaves that very meeting, finds a guy who owes him a hundred silver coins. Well, now, Pastor, that's real money, hundred silver coins, hundred silver coins money. Yeah, but dude, you just got forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. And he takes the guy with a hundred silver coins, choking him, you dirty pheasant, him. pay me back. Guy begs for mercy, not a chance. Has him thrown into prison to work off the debt. Totally forgot, totally, he just walked out, he totally forgot. We have all been forgiven such a great debt, but then we have such a hard time forgiving other people. We forget. So yesterday, me and some of the guys from the church went out, we were shooting, you know, clay pigeons. Very dangerous, those clay pigeons, you gotta kill them. I don't want to mention any names, but their initials are uh, Darren Trutman, Tom Nader, and Paul Wilson. We all went out there. 
to kill these very dangerous pigeons. And we called the day before to the place, make sure they're going to be open. You guys know, yeah, tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, we're open. Okay. Okay, great. So the word goes out, so the forest guys, you know, we pull up to the gate, and it's padlocked. Now, when I say gate, I'm not talking a gate gate. I'm talking like, you've seen this, you know, it's like one bar pulls this way, another bar pulls this way, and there's a little lock in the middle. It's not a big gate. It's like, <laughs> I'm here, all right? But it's padlocked. It's supposed to keep people out, and then, so, you know, we're closed, and we're like, what the heck? They told us they're going to be open. And you can see fresh steps in the snow and stuff. So then there's the clubhouse right there. He said, well, well, let's walk over there and see if anybody's there. What's going on? So we go walking out, you know, the four amigos. And apparently we're setting off all these silent alarms. <laughs> Who knew? We're looking inside. Where is there? I don't understand what's going on. So we start walking, all of a sudden these trucks come in. Whoa. So the guy who's in charge of security is this Mexican dude. And, you know, his English, he's really, he's, he can barely speak English. His accent's so bad. And we walk up to him, and he just starts reaming us out. What are you doing in there? Well, you guys said you were going to be open when you thought someone would be in there and find out what's going on. You're, well, there's a lock on you. You can't, you can't cross the line when there's a lock. You can't cross that. There's a lock there. You can't just step over the lock. There's a, and I'm thinking, aren't you a Mexican? I mean, not to be cruel, but here's this Mexican yelling at four U.S. citizens for crossing the line. You can't cross that line. Uh, now, maybe he was legal. I doubt it highly. But that's hilarious. That was hilarious. I thought it was a very funny situation. He's yelling at us for crossing the line. But that's the way we all are, see. Well, what we do is different. We can cross whatever lines we want in our lives. We all do this because, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's us, and you don't understand. You know, we all have our reasons for why we do what we do. But don't you dare do it. How dare you cross the line? Very quick, just turn around and hammer other people. Say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because it's Christmas. <laughs> and family's coming over. All right? Now, you have to understand something. The reality of life is this. People will hurt you. People will disappoint you. They will lie to you. They will wound you. I'm not making fun. They will wound you deeply. They'll take advantage of you. People will be unfaithful to you. They'll persecute you. They'll steal from you. They'll stab you in the back. And that's just your relatives. Then <laughs> there's people who don't like you. What is supposed to be our response to that? We forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. <laughs> you got to forgive them. As Christians, this is not optional. And let me make a little political commentary while we're at this whole deal. <laughs> this whole crossing the line deal. Now, I'm not a big fan of politicians. I tend to think they're all squirrels and rascals. And I don't care what party. And I tend not to get too involved with them all. They like, you know, I get calls 
you know, the governor came to town and they called me to come and do the opening prayer. I said, you don't want me praying. <laughs> yeah, we do. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, let me give you a sample of my prayer. I sent it to him. No, I guess that's not a good idea. I'll read it to you someday. The president came to town then. We want you to come and open in prayer. <laughs> What me praying? You won't like what I have to say. So they're all kind of squirrels, and it is what it is. But just, and I know some of you get real rattled about this, but just check your medication, all right? This whole amnesty thing, and I've said this before, you as people of faith need to be careful you don't go all crazy on this thing. No amnesty! No, yeah, you know the word means to forgive. It means to forgive. Don't you be running around as a Christian, we're not going to forgive people! Really, you need to stop. All right, now I don't agree with the way the president just did it, but still fundamentally, he's trying to fix a total messed up thing that both Republicans and Democrats and everybody else in between have been a big part of a big disaster in this nonsense. You don't need to run around yelling and hating people. Good grief, of all the crazy, you know in this country you can brutally rape somebody and just wait out a good seven years or whatever the statute of limitations is and they can't come after you anymore. You can come out and say, I did it. This is how I did it. This is why I did it. And you cannot touch them. You know why? Statutes of limitations light up. Just about anything you can imagine except killing somebody. There's a statute of limitations on. That and apparently stepping over the line. Now some of these people have been in this country 20 years, have children born in this country. They were not supposed to be there. Maybe not, but nobody's been paying attention to the border. And for us to think we're going to take this guy, separate him from his family, and send him back to Guatemala is insane. We're better than that. And you don't need to run around yelling and screaming about, we're not going to forgive people. It's part of our Judeo-Christian heritage to forgive people. Now, if you get mad at me about that, send your letters to Pastor Bob. Listen, no matter how much somebody hurts you, you have to remember it contrasts into how much we've hurt God. No matter how someone has ripped us off, it compares in comparison to the debt we have carried. We have to forgive people. All our campuses, you just stood and you prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not talking about trespassing, like me and the boys did. <laughs> It's just it's a word for violation, sin. You're, what you're saying is, forgive my sins like I forgive people who do me bad. And if you don't let people off who've done you wrong, you're in a bad place before God. You gotta have a short memory. Let it go. My parents, God bless them. May they rest in peace. They were wonderful in many ways, but they didn't like each other. There's like a couple of cats in a room just going nuts. We were always stepping up. Calm down, calm down, you two. Why you did such a thing? But then they both got dementia. <laughs> they did. And they were so nice to each other. They would hold hands and they'd talk nice to each other and kiss each other. And, and we're like, who are you people? But see, they, they couldn't remember. They hated each other. Don't be like that. Don't wait for God to give you dementia. 
before you forgive people. Let it go. Pastor, my in-laws really hurt me last year. Well, don't worry, they'll do something worse this year. It's a new year. (laughs) Just let it go. People hurt you every time somebody hurts you. Just think about how much you've hurt God. And thank God that he's forgiven you. And let it go. Look, on that great day, we will all stand before God. It won't be Judge Judy. It's going to be God. And we're going to have to give an account for our lives. And I don't want the fact that I haven't forgiven other people for God to say, therefore, you're not forgiven. Man, I need all the mercy and grace I can get. I want it remembered of me that I did not hold anything against anybody. Pastor, people hurt us. I know people have hurt me. They've said terrible things. They've done things. I get it. I get it. But just... You just practice it. You just do it on purpose. You just intentionally stop talking about it and you'll forget it. I got to stop and really think about the times I've been screwed over. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. You know, but I, I don't want to do that. Why? Because you just got to let it go. It helps to remember where you've come from. You know, David said this in Psalm 40. He said, I waited for the Lord patiently, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. One of the great things about King David, it was said of him that he was little in his own eyes. He didn't think that highly of himself. Here's a man, despite his mistakes and his faults, and despite becoming the king and uniting the nation. Never forgot the slimy pit, the muck, and the mud that God picked him out of. Always remember where you came from. Not that you let your past dictate your future. You don't want to let that happen to you. But don't ever get so arrogant and harsh towards others that you can't forgive them. Always remember where you came from, what God has forgiven you of, so that you can freely forgive those who hurt you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your kindness. Lord, these are tough words for some people. I know there's people here who really struggle terribly, terribly with forgiveness. People over in Stevens Point, Appleton, here in Green Bay, people on the internet listening to me, people watching us all over central and north central Wisconsin, listen to this right now. They're so mad at people. They're so angry. They're so bitter. They still cry and weep because of the wrongs that have been done to them. God, help them to let it go. Just let it go. Help us to forgive others so that we ourselves might be forgiven. And let us just to walk this season in patience and kindness to all, even to those who do us wrong. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.